You're listening to Soundbite, the podcast that's food for your ears. I'm Celine Roberts. Tucked away in Allison Park, just outside the city, Goat Rodeo Farm and Dairy and its herd of 100 goats are preparing for spring and the arrival of many newborn kids. The baby goats are essential to the farm's main operation, making goat cheese. Today, we'll visit the farm and learn about how their cheeses get to our tables. First, we'll speak to India Levner, owner of Goat Rodeo, about how she started her creamery. Hi, India. Hi, Celine. I just drove up the driveway on your beautiful farm. I don't know what I was expecting, but I guess I wasn't expecting quite so many buildings. You have this lovely like white house perched up on the hill. How'd you come to be a, a cheesemaker in Pennsylvania? Well, about um, 25 years ago, my husband and I bought this 22 acres. Uh, we started with 22 acres. We now have 130. And um, my husband was from the city and I was from the country. And when I found this area, I said, this is the only place that we could live happily together. It's exactly 15 miles between where I grew up and where he grew up. So we raised our kids here. We bought the first 22 acres, and we always had animals, horses and donkeys and sheep and chickens. And then we gradually bought the pieces of land around us. And then about 10 years ago, a friend of mine invited me to go to a goat show and just for fun. She asked me if I'd want to go, and I said, sure. And I came home with two goats. Um, <laughs> I wasn't expecting to buy any goats, but I was milking the goats, and I went to the University of Vermont and learned how to make cheese. And I was making cheese at home, and my husband, was Steve, was also, we were both making cheese and taking cheese-making classes. Um, and then as my kids were in college, I was interested in expanding the cheese-making and expanding the goats, and that's how we sort of went from milking two goats, first it was two goats, then it was four goats, it just kept expanding. And so. now it's how many goats? This spring we'll be milking 80 goats. And we have about 125 goats between the milkers and the, the kids and the bucks. And so. you told me, which I'm very excited about, that there are going to be 100 kids possibly come right. this spring. Yes. Yeah. Which has got to be a whole nother part of the process it's, to deal with. It's it's a the totally crazy time of the year. Um, it's the most crazy times over the last 10 years have been during kidding season. Just being in the barn at nighttime, you know, delivering, helping. Most of the time it goes smoothly, but sometimes one night last year I was in the barn and yeah, we were had all been in the barn, but then nothing was happening. So everybody left and then a goat went into labor and I was having a hard time getting the goat out of the mom and it took me, but everybody'd gone, so I was, the, I was reaching in and you know pulling and talking to the vet on my cell phone, and you know 15 minutes ago people were, <laughs> would have had some help. So, so the goat was running around with the kid, sort of just the kid's head coming out, and then the kid's tongue was turning purple. Plus my cell phone battery was dying, so I was going to lose the vet also. But the last thing that he said was just get your arms as far in as you can and just pull as hard as you can. And so I did, and you know the kid just started breathing, and it was like, so it was one of those sort of 
things that was, it was like, wow, I just did this. Nobody was there, but <laughs> it was pretty amazing. That story is really true to your farm's name, which is um, Goat Rodeo. And right. this ain't your first one. Right, right. That's absolutely true. When did yeah. you decide to go from being a home cheesemaker, maybe a hobby cheesemaker, to starting Goat Rodeo Farm and Dairy? The business is about a year and a half old from the time we made our first batch of cheese that we were, were approved to sell at a farmer's market. But I think that you know I had the first two goats for a couple of years, and then I decided to start a business, but it took a lot of research, um, learning about what you have to do to build a cheese making facility, learning about building a milking parlor where you could milk a, a number of goats, did a lot of things like the Department of Agriculture coming and inspecting things once we built it all. So it was a very long process. It took a few years to build all the facilities. From my small amount of knowledge that it's somewhat akin to beer brewing where facilities and sterilizing are the peak of importance. Right, and we get inspected every three months by the Department of Agriculture, and then we just completed like a year-long process. Uh, we just got into Whole Foods in the South Hills, but it took a year of having an audits and inspections, and there's a lot of things that go into that. What goes into the everyday operation? Well, at this point, at first, I was doing a lot of the milking and a, a lot of different things in here, but now I'm sort of, I get up about 4.30, I, I go around and I check on the goats, and if, if I'm doing the milking, I would do the milking, but I do have milking help do the milking also. So then the cheese making, Matt comes in probably about 7, the milking's finished about... 7.30 and then the milk comes down and he starts the cheese making and if if I'm up in the barn or whoever's milking would start all the cleanup up there while Matt's down here doing the cheese making and uh, the milking is every day 365 days a year 6, 6 a.m. and 4. The actual milking takes probably about an hour and a half but with the the barn chores and the goats, taking care of the goats and cleaning up and everything, it's probably about four hours. And then in kidding season, a milking could go to like six, <laughs> six hours <laughs> because there's, because of all the kid care. and Kids are an essential part of the process. Right. Because in, in order for the goats to keep producing milk, they need to have kids. And what I try to do is that the goats that are really good milkers, I, I don't breed them every year. I milk them through you know, to the second year before they have kids again. Because I can't keep every kid, and the bucks go for meat. We sell them for meat. It's expensive to raise the bucks because I would need to feed them milk replacer because the milk is going into the cheese making. If I can, and if I have the space, I'll try to raise them till they're probably about 60 pounds. So that would be about four months. And when can they start breeding? The bucks actually could probably start breeding in about four months. Wow. So, but the does, they could get pregnant at four months, but I wait until they're a year and a half old because they do much better if they're a little bit older. 
Does the milk change in flavor as they become older? It doesn't change in flavor, but one of the tricky parts of cheese making is that the milk changes throughout their, from the time they have their kids until the, the time we stop milking them before they have their next kids. The, throughout the seasons, it, the milk changes. So that's why the cheese making recipe, we can't just follow one recipe. We have to, Matt has to keep adjusting for how the milk is changing and the fat and the protein. So not only are you working with live animals, you're working with a living process. Right. So cheese making is, is art, but a lot of science also. A good balance of both, I'm sure. Yeah. What drew you toward goat cheese as opposed to any other? Is it something that you personally prefer, or do you just like goats? I, I do really love goat cheese. Um, it was really just by chance that I went to the goat show and got those two goats. I Looking back, probably cows would have been easier. I, I grew up on a farm with cows and they're much more mellow and uh, goats are, they'll get into any trouble they possibly can. It's hard to describe, but cows are just sort of relaxed and goats are just very hyper. And you know, if you're milking a cow, they'll just sort of meander into the milking parlor, but the goats just come charging <laughs> in. And, <laughs> So, and when you're with the goat kids, they're jumping all over you. Um, so it's, um, but it was really just by chance I ended up with goats, even though I do love goat cheese. But now you've got a, like a herd of children, <laughs> seemingly hyperactive children that you have to care for. Right. It sometimes seems like that. <laughs> I've heard goats have become sort of a fashion lately on the internet. People love goat videos because they're so funny and right. wily, as you were mentioning. Uh, but I've heard they, they're quite smart. Would mm-hmm. you say that that's true? Yeah, I think they're a lot more like dogs. than. Um, and when we go up to the barn and you meet the goats, you'll see that they're very interested in people. And uh, they, they really, they know me really well. Um, there's, there's goats that if I call them by name, you know, they'll come over. Do you have a hard time parting with them? I think the hardest part of having, a, so far I've been building the herd, so I haven't had to make too many hard decisions, but that's that's the really hard part. So I do get lucky, sometimes people want goats for pets, so that's a really nice thing. So I give them a very good deal to, um, to take care of them. Yeah. What? What would a good deal look like on a goat? Well, all of our goats are registered with the American Dairy Goat Association. So you could sell a milker. Uh, a milker could be sold for $600. But if, if she's already in milk and the kids, because they're coming from a good registered stock and we, we get appraised, the goats get appraised once a year. So we have, we have a lot of goats that are appraised in the 90s. So they are worth worth a lot, but if somebody wants a pet goat, I might sell them the goat for $50. (laughs) (laughs) Soft-hearted. Soft cheese and soft-hearted. So so I'm more interested in selling the cheese than having selling expensive goats. I feel like it would be hard to not get attached, at least for me. Yeah. 
I'm excited to meet them. I'm going to talk to Matt about cheese a little bit first, but then if you would take me up to the barn and we could maybe meet some goats and talk to them a little bit. I already had one greet me as you were coming down the hill. The buck outside One of the bucks outside. He was very curious. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be interested to see what their personalities are like. I'm in the cheese making room and I've been told that I need to put on boots and step in the sanitizer. So that's what I'm going to do right now. Big yellow wellies. And then we're going to go talk to Matt and see what he's doing with the cheese. I think I've been appropriately sterilized here. Okay. And uh, I'm ready to look at whatever you have to show me. There's so much interesting equipment in here. Where do you want to start? At the beginning. My name is Matt Rusevich. I'm the cheesemaker. Where everything starts is they send milk to me from the milk house through this pipeline that runs under our driveway. And I move it into my vat, this big old stainless vat, and go from there, you know. It's, I pasteurize everything, so you know, I gotta heat it up to 145 for about a half hour. And this is all recorded on a, a chart, which is legally binding. It's a legally binding document over there uh, for pasteurization. They take that very seriously. So we have to heat it up to 145 to inhibit and or kill off any possible pathogens. And it all started with like Listeria and E. coli and Salmonella. It is a farm. There is a lot of animals and waste and all of that stuff around. And milk and meat are the two most regulated substances in the FDA's blanket. It really makes sense. There's some pretty serious stuff. And raw milk cheeses can be great too. Um, we're actually currently selling raw milk cheeses we just moved to making pasteurized. Is there a certain set of regulations that runs around raw milk cheese? Yeah, so every raw milk cheese that's sold has to be aged for over 60 days in an environment that is 35 degrees or higher. So it's been judged by a lot of different entities that 60 days of aging is equal to pasteurization, but that's not necessarily always the case, but you know, most of the time it is. And most raw milk cheese producers are very clean and very good places. And I mean, to be a raw milk cheese producer, it's, there's a lot of regulation and a lot of checkups. You have a lot of inspectors in here a lot. How did you decide to become a cheesemaker? I don't know if I necessarily decided to become a cheesemaker. I think that kind of fell into my lap. I was selling cheese and working at Wild Purveyors in Lawrenceville and I met the Lovener's daughter and I decided to just get a part-time job milking some goats and they were going to open a creamery in about a year and I was like well that's cool you know maybe I'll do something for the creamery but I had gotten a job brewing beer at that point and I was working for the Allegheny wine mixer buying cheese and then they offered me this job. And I quit everything else and took it. And how long have you been making cheese for them now? It'll be two years in May, so. What sort of varieties? Uh, let's, let's, let's get down to brass tacks here. Okay, let's talk cheese. Um, so we make one fresh cheese, our fresh chev, which is fresh goat's milk cheese. It's pasteurized, vegetarian rennet, but it's not like, um, you know, most people have had like a traditional chev, which is just French for goat, so that's kind of silly, huh? But it's just a fresh goat cheese, and ours is really creamy, and it, it's 
pretty much spreadable when it's refrigerated, where most shoves are uh, very flaky and like almost crumbly. Like it can be a little chalky sometimes. Chalky, yeah, exactly. And they're sold in those logs where like, you know, when you open the log and then there's always that like moment where you're trying to figure out how you're going to refrigerate it or wrap it. Like, do you wrap the whole thing in cellophane or do you just wrap the end that you open? And then when you open it again, how do you not smear it on everything? Ours comes in a tub. <laughs> so you can just scoop it on out of the tub and use it and there's not a whole hassle with it. But aside from our shove, we make a, a couple of the cheeses. We just won a blue ribbon for our chickabitty at the state uh, farm show, which is a mold ripened goat cheese. It's also pasteurized. Man, how to get into mold ripened cheeses. Um, these are some of my favorites. Uh, you take a fresh cheese like a chef and you press it to make a harder cheese and you inoculate it with a mold and a yeast. And as the yeast grows, the mold grows on top of it, and that's how you ripen things like a brie. So this is a similar process to a brie, but it is a fresh goat cheese. So it's, it's pretty similar to a lot of French cheeses that they make, but ours is a little bit uh, harder. But it's called Chickabitty. It's a beautiful little cheese. It comes in like a little square pyramid that's about six ounces, I think. I think that's how much it is when it's wrapped. Um, it's one of my favorites to make, and it's pretty unique. I don't think there's a lot, a lot of places in the States that make stuff like that. Um, the other all goat's milk cheese that we make is the bamboozle. And the bamboozle is a washed rind cheese, which is similar to a mold-ripened cheese. You're using a, a bacteria on the outside called Brevibacterium linens, and it slowly ripens the cheese, but to tie in past work experience, I wash that cheese in beer that's brewed at Roundabout uh, Brewery in Lawrenceville, which is where I used to work. Um, so the beer feeds the bacteria and it's salted and it also gives it a, a slight beer flavor, but it's mostly just that funky washed rind flavor. Um, I think. Well, let me, can I show you the cheese and talk yeah, about I mean, it? Yeah, I would love uh, it. I mean, who am I to say no? <laughs> This is a beautiful room. Yeah, this is, this is my favorite room to be in. So with our rooms, we have two ripening rooms. People sometimes refer to them as caves because cheese used to be, it still is, aged in legitimate natural caves dug into hillsides and you know natural rock formations. But our cheese caves are rooms <laughs> with you know clean walls and very easy to clean very easy to keep at a nice temperature so we have two rooms and this is the dryer of our two rooms it's 55 degrees fahrenheit and then it's 87 percent humidity and 85 to 87 percent is a really great range for harder aged cheeses like uh, goudas and um, we have this tome that we make called stampede which is kind of like a manchego um, the closest thing I think I could communicate that it is, but it's it's a harder cheese. We age it for about a year and What all of the elements in this room their purpose like the wood boards having the 87% humidity is We're trying to slowly take wet 
compressed curds that are formed into a wheel and slowly wick the water out of them in the way. So when you put them in this room, you know, obviously the, um, the wheel is saturated with moisture. So at 87%, slowly it starts to just come out of the cheese. And then once the rind is dry enough, we put them on the wood boards and the wood boards slowly wick the water out of the cheese. Um, so we have, in our room, we have two different types of uh, Gouda here, and they're both waxed. So the wax keeps a lot of the moisture in, but it's also, you know, it does wick water out of it. It's a slower process, but it's still permeable. It's not totally sealed. And you can see that there's little bits of, uh, of mold growth and stuff on top of the wax that, you know, we go through twice a week and wipe down. and. That's another function of the mold, which is really amazing, is that, you know, on the natural rinds and even on the outsides of the Gouda, it slowly takes water out of the cheese. You know, it eats water out of the cheese and it slowly just pulls it and, you know, it has to live somehow. So so do you see mold as your greatest collaborator besides the goats? Yeah, I'm, well mold and bacteria and I mean fungus, all of them, you know, all the microbes, but you know, it's, it's really interesting how different bacteria and fungi are and like their size and their functions and all of the different flavors that you can get from them and even different flavors from the same exact type of mold, like whether you use it in a cheese or on the outside of a cheese or how long it ripens for. Our stampede, which is our natural rind cheese, natural rind meaning that it has like a, a mold growth on the outside that's brushed down and eventually it gets like a you know, like a light brown you know I'm trying to think of a good example like a hardened sort of rind yeah a hardened rind I mean we don't have it's not the same texture as like a mimolette but it has that brown kind of rusty looking to it and it's definitely a harder cheese and it's very flaky but we add mold to that cheese. There's a there's a brown mold that we add to the milk while we make it. And as it, you know, sits in here, the mold ripens on the outside and it produces this incredible sweet flavor. You know, almost like uh I'm trying to think of a good example of like uh like koji, like have, like whenever you make miso or uh stuff like that you know the kind of like umami the mold like that sweet mold smell i don't even know how to like describe it in a way that doesn't sound gross just being in this room is a really really nice experience um do you ever have a batch that goes completely rogue gets infected by some sort of wild yeast or mold yeah now and again that will happen especially um when we were i haven't had it at all since we switched to making pasteurized cheeses but now and again in our cheese and a few of our cheeses you know you'd see something different you know and it i don't think i've ever really lost a whole batch you see like some strange things on rinds like you could see like different types of yeast and mold growing that you didn't add you know but it's definitely there and it's definitely causing a flavor you know i think that that's a big conversation piece in cheese making today where you know, there's a lot of push for raw milk cheeses, which I definitely think that that's really cool. Um, I really enjoy raw milk cheese making, but 
it's it's the same as you know natural wine making so like every bottle of wine you get from a natural winemaker is different you know you can't you can't really count too much on vintage because it's like well you know who who knows what the next bottle is going to be and i mean that's a lot in cheese making as well you know everything has to be extremely clean and you still have that question of you don't exactly know your native cultures and your native things so I mean, I really enjoy the control you get with pasteurization. You know, we're able to add all of the, the right cultures and really build a beautiful cheese. From goat to shelf. From goat to shelf. What would the time range be? The aged cheeses, you know, it's about six months. Same with, you know, the cowboy coffee, the bamboozle, the hoot nanny. But with the chicken bitty, it's about 14 days from goat to shelf. Um, with the shove, yeah, I mean, it's the shortest. You know, I can start making it today and push it out the door on, on Monday. It's a lot of delayed gratification. Yeah, I never thought I'd be that good at it. I'm not a very good delayed gratification person. You know, I'm not. I started, first thing I think I ever did in this vein was like home brewing, and like that was so difficult for me to like wait and have that patience. Now I let things sit on a shelf for six months and I'm like, oh, it's fine, we'll try it eventually. I can't imagine making whiskey though. For more soundbite, visit our archives at www.bghcitypaper.com or subscribe to City Paper Podcasts on iTunes. Come along with me and rescue wasted food with 412 Food Rescue or explore the world of biodiversity with Simran Safety. To find out more about Goat Rodeo and where to buy their cheese, visit www.goatrodeocheese.com. And since you didn't get to meet the goats, I'll play you the one surviving piece of tape from that windy day when I met them. Hi. That is a goat sniffing my microphone. Lovely goats. <laughs>